We want to welcome our online audience that joins us from all over the world. So if you're tuning in on Facebook or live stream, we're grateful that you are spending a little bit of your Christmas celebration with us. And so today we begin really a two-part message. Tomorrow night will we'll be the second installment of that. So I want to encourage you to come back for our candlelight service tomorrow night at 7. But home for Christmas. And as you can kind of see as we decorated the stage to be a whole lot like I think a lot of people think about those ideal Christmas scenes. Home. Kind of where where does that come from? And I think for a lot of us it comes from Christmas cards, it comes from Christmas movies. But the story, the Christmas story, tells really a different story. And yet the Christmas story is the story of God wanting to bring us home for Christmas. So would you join me? We'll pray. We're going to be in Matthew's Gospel, uh, the very first chapter and verse 18. Uh, But let's pray and ask God to speak through his word. Father, we come. Lord, many of us longing for a, a Christmas that has existed primarily in our minds. Lord, that happy home, that happy hearth. Lord, maybe there are some today that are hurting. And Christmas represents to them pain. But Lord, we are so grateful that to you, Christmas represents the very first moment that you came to this earth to bring us home. And so God, we bless you and we pray that you would speak to us now through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 18, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 1. And now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, and so reminding yourself that this was a Jewish betrothal, so they were really considered to be married before they were married. The betrothal was was a deep commitment that was the same as marriage. The only thing that really was uh, different about it than our normal marriage that we might perform today was the couple didn't live together until the home was done. And so what was happening during that betrothal period is the bridegroom would go away and work on a place to bring his bride home to. And so hence the story of you and I And our relationship with Jesus. Before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. And then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take your wife, Mary, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's that Christmas gift, amen? Forgiveness of sin, a right relationship with God. It's literally what his name means, Yehoshua. 
God is our salvation. That's why Jesus came in the first place. And so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, speaking, of course, the prophet Isaiah, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Where do you meet when you come home for Christmas? You meet at home. Amen? When the family gathers together, it's normally at home. Isn't it amazing that the Lord of heaven, the Lord of earth, came home to be with us? If you were God, where would you spend Christmas? I think I'd probably spend it in heaven. Just knowing what little I know about heaven, I'm thinking heaven's better than here. Amen? But he came here. He spent the first Christmas here. And then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her until she had brought forth her firstborn son. And they called his name Jesus. Joshua, Yahushua. All those names mean the same thing. God came to us. Interesting story. How many of you have traveled in, a, in an aircraft somewhere here, even in the United States, or maybe you traveled around? Raise your hand. You've been in an airplane. You've flown somewhere. Pretty good chunk of us, amen? Anybody glad you didn't have to walk that distance? <laughs> I'm just old enough to remember when there were still prop planes around. Not everything was a jet. Uh, my dad worked for a General Dynamics Convair, and they were still making some prop planes that were used actually in the airline industry. But I, I remember very, very first time I got to get on a plane, it was like a major treat. This is something that rich people did. You know, it was like, you, now it's like a giant bus that goes in the sky, right? You, you can hop on Southwest and go to Phoenix for 12 bucks. You can't even buy gas to get there for that. But it really hasn't been that long that we've been flying actually goes back to North Carolina to Kitty Hawk to the Wright brothers and they're on December 17th of 1903 they of course made this 10 second long flight interesting how the news reported that in their own hometown their sister Catherine had given a news report to the local newspaper that they had actually flown. This is the first recorded flight of mankind in a powered aircraft. You know what the headline was? Wright Brothers, home for Christmas. Didn't even mention about the flight until later. I think we have a longing within us to be home. They were asked the question. They just wanted to be home for Christmas. I think there is a sense that God has placed in each one of us something deep, something inexplicable, I think, to many of us. I I, I will admit that I'm I'm an old-style Christmas movie junkie. You know, everything I think about... I'll be home for Christmas. You know, we just do that, don't we? You, you're one of those weird people that wanders around and 
sometime shortly after Thanksgiving, you know, we just start humming Christmas carols or you can picture Bing Crosby, I'm dreaming of a... You know, and we just, we have these things in our mind, right? It's these pictures. But isn't it wild that almost every one of those mental pictures is someplace that we call home? Very often, the, the very concept of Christmas and home are inextricably linked together. Very few people, and I've talked to, to all kinds of people, when they think about Christmas, they think about you know being at a shopping mall. That's something we have to do. That's not something we actually really, wow, I just can't wait to go to the mall. No, it's about what happens after you go to the mall and the family comes and you're sitting around the tree and you're singing and you're, you're remembering. We have in our living room, and it's gotten smaller as, as we've you know, watched the, the kids start their own family, but we kind of have a Jesus tree. And that Jesus tree is all of our ornaments that we've collected over four decades of marriage. And there on the tree, there's all kinds of little things, and they mean things about home. But it's not quite like that for everyone. I don't know how many of you have listened in on conversations this last week as you're in places in public, but there's an awful lot of bah humbug going on. Amen? I listened to a poor lady in Sam's Club, and I thought she was going to... You know, she was about to tell the poor guy that was manning the kettle at the door for Salvation Army what to do with this kettle. You know, so, I mean, she was literally going, oh, you're just out here begging again, you know. And I'm like, God, chill, you know. What do you think of when you think of Christmas? Probably the truth is some of you would wish it would just pass by. Probably the truth is some of you wish it were different than it actually is. Probably some of you it's a little bit painful even. Christmas kind of functions a little bit like a time machine, doesn't it? A lot of the things that we do repetitively, I don't know, there's something about, you know, you put a... You know, we have so many of us have fake trees now. They need to make a spritzer that smells like pine or something. But that, that smell of the tree being in the house, you know, the first day you put it up, you kind of don't notice it because you brought it in and then you come maybe into the living room after you've put it up the next day and you can smell the tree or the smell of turkey or, or the smell of honey-baked ham. Amen? In Jesus' name. That's a prophetic word for some of you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. You smell that smell. Or maybe for me, it's like Connie makes these amazing pecan pies and she starts to bake that pie. And I'm like, oh, there goes five pounds right there. <laughs> but they're happy pounds. You see, for some of us, it's sitting around in our bathrobes remembering how our kids could turn $500 worth of presents into a pile of paper in 10 nanoseconds. 
and they're underneath it, the puppies going submarine, you know. There are things that we think about. And then there sometimes are things that, that kind of hurt us. They pain us. But I think the, the picture here that I want to maybe instill in you, whether you're looking forward to this Christmas or whether you're not, the Lord is looking forward to Christmas with you. The Lord wants to bring you home. It's the reason that Jesus came in the first place. Maybe your Christmas is going to be beautiful and maybe your Christmas is going to be a bit broken. God wants to bring you home. That's why Jesus came in the first place. And though for many of us, just like in the story, Christmas for them was elusive with an E, not with an I. Amen? It wasn't an illusion. It was just hard to find. When you think about the shepherds, they were always away from home, weren't they? They lived, they dwelt in the fields. You think about Mary and Joseph, where are they? Our second son, Austin, was almost born on the side of the 330 going down to the hospital. Now, most moms-to-be are not really interested in having their husband deliver their child on the side of the road. Okay, just saying. But that's kind of the Christmas story, isn't it? They're going for a census to the city of their birth, to Bethlehem. That's 65 miles from Nazareth where they actually live. She's nine months pregnant and she's riding a donkey with no shock absorbers, okay? Not a pleasant thought. They were a home, away from their home. The Magi had come from the east. They weren't near their home. And then, of course, the central figure in the story is Jesus. You talk, of being, talk about being far away from home. How far was he from his home? So much so that the scriptures declare about Jesus that the Son of Man didn't even have a place to lay his head. Amen? But God sent Jesus to bring us home. That's the whole story. There's some truths that are contained really in this passage. And the first of those truths is, and I think it's the source of the longing that we have, we're actually homesick for God. Ever since Adam and Eve, they got tossed out of the garden, amen? They've kind of been wandering around. People have been wandering around. We live in a day and time where home is a little less meaningful, I think, to most people than it once was. It actually goes back to the story in Genesis. Do you remember what happened after the flood? Remember there in chapter 8, and here's Noah, they've been floating on this turbulent sea. They left their home on dry land. They've been basically incarcerated with all of the animals of the face of the earth in a floating stable. 
And finally, the waters begin to recede. Do you remember what they released? A dove, amen? You know what that passage actually says in Hebrew? It says that that dove found no home. The first thing Noah was looking for was a home. The first thing the dove was looking for was a home. The thing that I think most of us are looking for is a home, an abiding place. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in me and I in you, that word abide means dwelling place or place to set up your home. We're looking for security. We're looking for safety. We're looking for a sense of belonging. When you talk to people about their deepest hurts and pains in their life, it is almost always surrounding their sense of personhood belonging, being a part of something that's bigger than themselves. We long to be home, and God wants us to be home. That's why we're homesick. When I talk to people who are going through difficult times, if they know the Lord, it's almost always their hope is one day I'm going home. Because this world isn't our home. What we're homesick for actually can't be totally found here. The psalmist David, as he penned Psalm 84, even the sparrow has found a home. And David would write, A place near your altar, O Lord Almighty, my King and my God. And blessed are those who dwell in your house. Now, can I tell you, David had everything there was to have on the face of the earth at the time. He would have been considered one of the richest, most powerful people on the planet. And yet he's writing from a sense of longing. He was literally jealous of the sparrows that dwelt near the heart of God. I think that jealousy extends to us today. And I think God put it there. Moses, who spent most of his life wandering in the wilderness... His words recorded in Psalm 90, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all of our generations. They hauled around a tent, a tabernacle for the Lord to be with them in so that they would have a temporary home in the wilderness. They were looking for home. There was a sense of longing. This isn't it. And when they finally were able to build the temple, they rejoiced over the fact, now we have a dwelling place for God. You see, but when we think about it, I think God put that there. We're supposed to be longing for something other than here. No matter how good here is. Because here it can be pretty wonderful at times. But it can also be a source of pain. It can be a place of hurt. And so there's this wonderful tension that exists between our pain and our pleasure. 
between that which is hearth and home and that which is hurt. And I believe it's all there to drive us to the Lord. David would remind us in Psalm 91, we who dwell or he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will say, you are my fortress and you are my refuge. That's a big house, amen? The truth is that God is actually homesick for us. You look at John's gospel, which we're currently studying, it begins with a homesickness. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. God was homesick for us, so God came here. Can you imagine? God so loves us that he left the glories of heaven to come here to get us. He's homesick for us. One of the things that happens, and I'm sure many of you have this experience, you know, as you get older, there's not a whole lot you want for Christmas, amen? You know, you just like, you can only have so many ties and pocket knives and things like that, you know? Well, for us guys, maybe not pocket knives, but... Ties for sure. There's only so many of those things that you that you really care to receive. But what do you want? You want your kids. You want your kids to be around you. You would give anything. You would give up everything just to have them near. We're homesick for our children. Can I tell you, God is homesick for you. I can prove it to you, by the way. I'll give you a little story. Grandfather visiting his grandson one Christmas, and he walked into the the bedroom where he was supposed to be sleeping. And like a very obedient uh, grandchild, he was in his little bed, and he was crying out. And when granddad saw Timmy, uh, Timmy was, Papa, out! And of course, Grandpa, being a good grandpa, went over there to rescue him from his near-death experience. It was about that time that law and order showed up. Mom. No, leave him in there. He, he's being punished. He, he's, been a, he's been a bad little guy, and he needs to take a nap right now. And there with his hand stretched out, Papa! Granddad didn't know what to do. Mom left the room. Granddad couldn't figure it out. He came up with a solution. He got in the bed with him. (laughs) That's what Jesus did for us. He got in the crib. He, he literally, the word says, became flesh and moved into our neighborhood. He became our homie. Moved into our hood. He didn't care where we lived. He just knew wherever that was, he wanted to be with us. And so he became flesh and dwelt with us. 
came to our little world where, by the way, we were sinners, alienated from him. You see, that's the beauty of the Christmas message. And when he came, he came for a reason because he wanted to take us home. Do you remember chapter 14 of John's gospel? The disciples are a little bit freaked out because Jesus says to them, look, I'm going away. Don't freak out. I'm going to prepare a home for you. Remember what he said? There's a little piece of information that's helpful for you to understand this. Because at that day and time, the living situation for most people, they lived in what would be known as an insula. An insula was kind of like a family compound. Usually had a center courtyard. And around the center courtyard were all kinds of dwelling places. And so each son would build on another piece of the family compound And it would be called a abiding place. But it was not until the son went and got his bride that they got to move into the abiding place. Now do you know why Jesus said, if I go away, I will come back and receive you unto myself that where I am, you might be also? Because he's building a home for you. He so desperately wants to come get you as the bride of Christ that he is away right now working on the house. You see, the Hebrew man could not go get his bride until the house was done. The house is being built. It's being prepared for you. You see, the truth is, in that sense, we're all actually searching for a a home. We're longing for a home. Jesus went to the cross so you could go home for Christmas. Do you get it? That's why he went to the cross. That's why he's gone back to heaven. But make no mistake, he's coming. We just don't know when. And in the meantime, we're we're still searching for that home. That's why the Apostle Paul said so eloquently, look, while we're here in this home, in this body, on this earth, we're away from the Lord. We're away from home. It's kind of like we live in a motel right now. We live in a less than ideal situation. Oh, it's better than being totally homeless, but this world is not your home. You have a mansion being prepared for you in heaven. That is your home. And so what happens is here on this earth, we try and cram home into here. And sometimes it just doesn't work, does it? Sometimes we have some family members that we're not sure we're actually related to. Amen? (laughs) 
But the truth is, none of us deserve home. Amen? Robert Frost, the, the poet, said, you know, that, that home is a place where they have to take you in. I think some of us think of home that way. But the fact of the matter is, home is a place we don't deserve. For we who love the Lord, home is a place we don't deserve. We were dead in our trespasses and sins, but he has made us alive. By his grace we've been saved. Through faith, and that faith was given to us as a Christmas gift. So that we could come home. You see, sometimes we so isolate the Christmas story that we almost pull it out of its real context and meaning. The context is Jesus came here to dwell with us so one day we could go home and actually move into our mansion. Amen? Amen. Don't miss that part of the Christmas message. It's beautiful that he came as a babe, and we celebrate that. It is wonderful that he came without pomp and circumstance in a manger, and we celebrate that. But he came with a purpose. The fact of the matter is, we're actually all runaways. We're all runaways. You may have not known that about yourself, but you are a prodigal. You're you're a John 15 prodigal. I am a John 15 prodigal. I'm the son who knew dad was good, and it's just like, you know, I like pigs. I like darkness. I like the junk this world tries to sell. And so what happens is we go on our little prodigal journey and we wander away from home. We go to somebody, we call it today couch surfing, amen? That person that comes to your house and seems to never leave. That's a prodigal, that's someone who probably has a home, but they're not actually in that home because something happened at that home, so they left that home and they tried to make a home someplace else. That's you without Jesus. That's what happens when you don't know the Lord. You're trying to make a home here when your home is not here. You're couch surfing. You're effectively homeless because your home isn't here. Your home is supposed to be with the Lord. And so we try and dress up our couch and we put a lamp on our couch and we get out a pillow and put it on the couch and call it a bed. You understand what I'm saying, don't you? And we dress it up and get some privacy. We throw a sheet over the top of it. This is my place right here. We try and make home out of something that is not our home. We kind of wander away. It's like, no, I want to live here. When in fact, we really don't. Can I tell you that the father never stopped looking for the drifting son? Never. Never. The dad came running down the road, disgracing himself by hoisting up his tunic and tying it in a knot like he was a common laborer. 
He was so thrilled that the sun was coming down the road that he ran to meet him before he ever got home. That's how much God loves you today. He loves you that much today that he would disgrace himself. Considered it not robbery to take upon himself the form of a man. That he would die on Calvary's cross. You talk about disgrace. So that you could go home. So that I could go home. You know, sometimes when you put this into perspective of your human experience, it is hard for some of us to imagine that kind of love. That kind of love. Because we haven't experienced that here on this earth. We don't know what that's like. Life has been pain after pain after pain and bad experience after bad experience. And then for someone to step into your life and say, I love you. I love you enough to die for you. And I want to live with you forever. You you see, that calls runaways back home. It's what it does. That's why Jesus is called Emmanuel. He came here. He moved in. He left the glories of heaven. And I don't know how many times you, you've heard the Christmas story. I, I don't know for you. But when I think of the king of heaven leaving heaven to come here, that is almost more than my mind can understand. I think about God incarnate in human flesh and I'm like I'm not staying there as you get older you know all I can tell you is you long for home you long for your bed your pillow your spouse you just want to get home. You want to be able to reach into your fridge and you know grab your favorite thing that's in there. Can I tell you that we don't even have any idea how glorious that's going to be when we actually get home to heaven? Sometimes when I'm flying home from a missions trip, I'm like, man, I land at LAX and I get out and I want to just kiss the tarmac. It's like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But as wonderful as that is, it's still not heaven. The best is yet to come. And so Jesus came here. We don't actually have to find our way home. He came here to show us the way. Amen? He is the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through him. It's so simple. The gospel is so simple. And it's the gospel of home. 
It's a gospel of peace. It's a gospel of reconciliation. It's the gospel of God doing everything for us. We simply need to receive the gift and open it up. And oh, brothers and sisters, many of you are going to have the opportunity to talk to somebody in the next few days about what your greatest gift is that you've ever received. Mine was the gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. Because I now have a home. I have a home. I haven't seen it. Just as the writer of Hebrews said, it it is that expectant hope of things which I have not yet seen. It's faith. I believe that that mansion is awaiting me. I don't know what it looks like, but I know what joys I have had on this earth. And they've been many and varied. I can't even imagine when all price restrictions are removed. Amen? Think about it. Probably many of you have thought about if you could take your ideal dream vacation... For some of you, maybe it'd be all in the you know, Pacific someplace on an island. For some of you, it'd be the grand European tour. For some of you, it'd be a world tour. You think about all these things, and then you go, oh, no, we're not doing that. We can afford to go to San Diego. <laughs> See, if you write your own check, you ain't getting very far, amen? But that's not how it works. The price has been paid for you in totality it's an all expense paid trip to your new home in heaven and it comes to you by grace amen would you stand with me we are blessed to be God's children amen And I know maybe there are some of you here that are struggling with that today. And I want to pray for you and we'll pray together. I want to remind you, if you're here today, God loves you. God loves you with an undying love. And he wants you to dwell with him in heaven. And if you want that, he wants that for you. That's the only prerequisite is you have to want to be home with him. And if you want that today and you don't have it, it's as simple as asking for it. So let's bow our heads and begin to pray. If you're here today and you're saying, Pastor Jeff, I, I want to go home. I want to know that my eternity is secure. And I want to know that when this life is over, I'm going to go to that mansion that's being made for me right now. And you don't know that right now. Would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray with you. If you're here today and you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, if there's anyone at all that's here, I see that hand. Praise the Lord. Anyone else? We just want you to have that Christmas gift. Praise the Lord. I see that hand as well. Anyone else? God wants you to know how secure you are in your future. I see that hand as well in the back. 
over here to my right. I see that hand as well, way back there in the back. Praise the Lord. Christ is offering you a gift right now, and it's free. All you need to do is take it. Praise God. For those of you who raised your hands, you can put your hands down. Would you just pray with me? These words, they have to come from you. It's a simple prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to come home. I confess that I've drifted a long ways from you. I've sinned big time. And I'm ready to turn around. Thank you for not abandoning me. Thank you for searching for me. Thank you that you, Jesus, died in my place on the cross. I'm sorry I've kept you out of my life for so long. I know I'm a sinner. And I know I can't save myself. By faith right now, I'm just asking you to save me. Forgive my sin. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Thank you for coming to this earth so that I could go home to heaven. I receive the gift of grace right now that's going to make that possible. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Those of you that prayed that prayer, I'm going to really ask you to do something very specific. Would you please go to the prayer room? We want to give you a get started packet, a Bible if you need one, and encourage you on your journey with the Lord. Um, You just gave us all a Christmas gift, so we want to thank you for letting us be a part of of your spiritual birthday today as you receive Christ. Uh, We receive the blessing of being here with you. So church, let's pray. Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for home that awaits us in heaven. Lord Jesus, we love you. Uh, We make our lives about you, Lord, that we would profess with every breath that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In Jesus' name, amen.